This is the AZ Brandcast, where we explore Arizona's brand and the brands that make Arizona. I'm Mike Jones. All right, everybody, it's another episode of AZ Brandcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I am super excited for this episode, not least because of our guest, Amy Armstrong, who has graciously donated some time with us to hang out and talk about her role as CEO of SVP Arizona. We'll get into more social venture partners in Arizona if you want to get the full acronym out there. And a little bit about uh, SVP Arizona. They are a a network of philanthropists who take a venture capital approach to their philanthropy. Um, So we're going to be talking a lot about giving and philanthropy and all that fun stuff today. And they have a two-pronged mission um, as their organization. One is to connect their partners to provide expertise and funding to emerging and growing local nonprofits, specifically ones that are focused on helping kids here in Arizona um, to be more successful, to grow in their education and all sorts of other needs that they have. And then their second um, prong to their mission is to help educate their philanthropists, many of who are maybe a little less experienced in, in their giving, on best practices, insights, ways to make their giving more impactful um, as they get more into that. So. Uh, I'm super excited to have you on, Amy. Um, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time with us. And uh, really excited to talk about SVP Arizona and maybe some other stuff. We'll see what happens today. But um, tell me a little bit about um, just SVP. So I kind of gave like the really 30,000 foot view version, but I want to hear from, from you. Uh, what is SVP Arizona and what do, you guys, what do you see happening right now? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Very yeah. excited to be here on the uh, the couch session. Yeah. yeah. Um, so SVP was founded in 1999. Um, we are the second affiliate of the SVP International um, group of um, affiliates around the world. There are 41 of them mm. um, across the world. And um, really, we take, like you said, a venture capital approach to nonprofits. There are so many well-meaning, well-hearted people that start a nonprofit because of a passion or a, a will to change the world or solve a problem, but they often don't have the business experience and so you know a nonprofit is a incorporated structure it's mm-hmm. just a different tax status so you really do need to operate it like a business um, in order for it to be really successful and to grow and thrive so that's where SVP comes in we do have this network like you said of philanthropists that have a variety of experiences so everything from HR to finance to legal to technology and everything in between mm-hmm. so we can really plug in what the nonprofits need to help their capacity building to really increase their business We don't go in and tell them how to run their program. Um, So, for instance, right now we work with Homeless Youth Connection and Read Better, Be Better. I don't know how to help homeless youth. I don't know how to teach third (laughs) graders how to read. I'm not going to try and tell them, and none of our partners are going to go in there and tell them how to make their program better. But what we can do is ensure that their operations and that their business is thriving and working as smoothly as it can in order for them to enhance their program and be the best that they Mm -hmm. can be. Um, so we do collective grant making. So all of our partners pay to be in the partnership. And then we pool that together. Um, the venture capital approach is that we take a longer time. This isn't a one-time grant, but we go in there typically as a five-year granting cycle um, in usually a bell curve. Mm-hmm. And we will make that long-term investment. We also know, you know, a VC is not going to go into a business and be like, here's my one-time investment. I'd like to see my ROI in six months. <laughs> so we know that it's going to take a little bit of time. So giving that five-year timeline allows us to really get into the weeds and truly move the needle, not just do one-off Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that collective grant making is awesome because as a philanthropist, I can give an organization $5,000, which is amazing. But if I can pool that with 50 other people – 
-hmm. we can make game-changing um, you know grants and and gifts to this organization and then to add on our time and talent just compounds that so much um, and so that's really where the power of SVP comes um, not just from the dollars but from the, the expertise yeah. Um, in, the, in, in terms of the history, we really started out with Jerry Hirsch, our amazing founder, um, brought us here from the, from the Seattle starting point. And uh, it was a lot of his original colleagues, um, so a lot of real estate people in Arizona, yep. um, which Makes has been it, yeah, is, is amazing in terms of the growth of SVP. Why it really took off is because there was a lot of success um, and people in the real estate industry wanting to make a bigger impact on their community. Um, it has since evolved. We still have a lot of the uh, the original yeah. the original partners engaged um, but you know Arizona's involved evolved Phoenix has evolved um, the tech industry here um, just a younger a younger demographic um, has allowed us to kind of shift some of our partnership makeup um, which is great because then we get more expertise in different areas so mm -hmm. it's really um, gone through its own rebrand as we'll yeah. talk about um, not necessarily rebrand but a yeah. um, you know a rebirth mm -hmm. of, of some sorts so uh, yeah that's that's SVP I personally got involved because my husband and I moved back here I'm, I'm a native by the way okay um, people always say oh Woo! what part, what part of Phoenix native. yeah what part of Phoenix or Arizona did you live in and I just say yes yes <laughs> like <laughs> all of them we moved 20 times before I was 18 so you pick a part of town and I've lived in it that's awesome um, but we moved away my husband and I to go to college and then had our kids up in Colorado and then moved back about 13 years ago mm. to for my husband to get involved with the family office and my in-laws are extremely philanthropic my father-in-law founded a software company and so he was lucky to come into wealth that way and they truly have the biggest hearts ever and so they wanted to make sure that that wealth that they came into helped other people and lasted generationally mm. um, and so when we first moved back we didn't really know anyone we've been gone for 13 <laughs> years when you leave as a you know a 19 year yeah. old and you come back you know with kids it's a whole different group yep. of friends that you're looking for and so they invited us to be a part of um, social venture partners we were told there was um, good people and free wine so that's <laughs> originally we were like all right we'll try it's it a good out. pitch yeah, it, is, I gotta, it is i gotta write that one down maybe Sam. we should put that in our partner packet right? <laughs> um, but we really just wanted to go meet people and get, you know, set, set some more roots down in Arizona. Yeah. Um, and I slowly got involved with a couple of committees. And at the time, I was actually an interior designer. Okay. So I'm a certified kitchen designer. That is That's my awesome. background that has nothing to do with what I do now. I don't think I realized that. Um, That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, my fun fact, if I'm ever in one of those, like, get to know each other and you have to say a fun fact is that I'm actually a published uh, published author on public restrooms <laughs> which is not something that you would associate with me now I, um, I used to write for a magazine in Denver and I had a regular column that's on, awesome like Denver's chicest bathroom yeah. Denver's most hip bathroom so ask Talk me about, about niche marketing right right there, there was go. I didn't have a lot of competition no for that I'm sure you didn't <laughs> I was the go-to public restroom person um but I was you know I was I had my own firm at the the time I was just starting out I had you know because we had moved here so I kind of restarted was getting some clients and was balancing the time the open time that I had with sitting on some committees learning to get more philanthropically involved my in-laws really taught me about giving with my heart mm. and being you know really listening to people and understanding their stories um, but as I got engaged more with SVP not that my in-laws don't give with their head, but I feel like yeah. I learned to give with my head because yep. we did site visits and we looked at P&Ls and yeah. I learned more about the business side of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. um, and I found myself really struggling with my 
my interior design part of it. Mm. I was like, really? I'm going to spec expensive crap for people's houses <laughs> instead of go help this amazing organization. <laughs> um, and so luckily we were in a place where our kids were still small. So staying home with them more was actually mm-hmm. a benefit. Um, it was also in 1990, or I'm sorry, 2008 when the market crashed. And yep. so people stopped building. Yep. So interior design wasn't the most lucrative yeah. thing at the moment, <laughs> especially since I was going to take a job doing some commercial um, uh, kitchen. Super exciting. Yeah, very, 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 uh, very high, <laughs> <laughs> high business time. Um, and so I actually stopped taking clients and focused on staying home with the mm. kids and doing more philanthropy. Yeah. And I just 100% fell in love with it. And That's awesome. I, so I credit SVP for really being what pulled me into that. Mm. Um, and of course, my in-laws, but yeah. the SVP, you know, structured part of it. Um, so Patrick and I, my husband, have been partners for 13 years. Mm. Um, and so that's how we originally knew about SVP. So we've been engaged on a on a very individual level um, as philanthropists ourselves. Yeah. And as you've gotten involved, you're now CEO, so you're leading the organization here in Arizona. Um, how it's been through some shifting. How did that come about? And, and, you know, tell me about that process. Yeah, so we we were lucky to have Terry Wogan as our executive director slash CEO for over 12 years. And mm. she was fabulous, and she really grew that brand and, and solidified us in the city. Um, but she was ready to retire. She mm-hmm. gave us lots of notice. <laughs> it's not like she just left. <laughs> she gave us wonderful amounts of notice, and she's actually a partner now, so we oh, still get sweet. to use her expertise. Um, but as with any leadership change, you mm-hmm. know, people, organizations go through a little bit of adjusting, especially when you have a long-term leader. Yep. You know, there's there's people that are very associated with that. Um, And there's always some questions of like, what's it going to look like in the future? Who's going to be leading it? So we actually did go through a few changes um, and had a, a, a period of some gaps yeah. <laughs> in leadership as well. Um, and so I, as a partner, had a, a very unique set of um, skills. So I also had founded my own nonprofit hmm. and run that for almost nine years. So I had the experience of being the executive at a nonprofit. Um, mm-hmm. I also have been a philanthropist now, um, fairly engaged. That's been my world is philanthropy yeah. for over 13 years. So I have that that non-for-profit side of it. I'm sorry, the philanthropic side of it. So people say, what do you do? I'm like, well, I give money or I beg for it, depending <laughs> on the hour. Like, which which one is it? Um, but then I've also been a partner for 13 years. Mm-hmm. So I know most of the people. I know some of the history. Um, my husband was on the board for years. So it was just kind of a, a perfect storm of everything that we needed at the time. Time. Um, I also, because I've known most of the board and the executive team for a long time, I had the rare ability to run a little faster mm-hmm. and a little harder than somebody else might have. Yeah. Um, you already had all that trust built in. Right. And yep. and because I had had experience, they knew that I was successful in other areas. I didn't need to do a lot of asking permission. I yeah. really just ran with my ideas. And then when they worked, I didn't have to say, can you forgive me? I was like, <laughs> look, it worked. Um, so that was really part of this whole you know, mm-hmm. shift of leadership. And then so I only originally signed on as the interim CEO while we did a search. And so I did six months. And then I added another six months. <laughs> and then finally, my husband was like, you either need to find somebody or you need to make a commitment. You can't uh-huh. keep kicking the can because part of rebuilding a brand is yep. we need to know what 
to expect in the future. We mm. need some you that know, consistency some of leadership. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so I made a three year commitment mm. to stay on after that that first year. So um, I am now in. I've just finished two years okay. of my. Well, that was the first year and then three more. So I'm I'm still around at least for a few years. Um, and I've told my board I'm not saying yes or no now yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to to any future commitment. But um, I will definitely be here for a few years because. I really love it. Hmm. Like this is these are the people I'm used to. These are the the organizations I want to support. And just being an entrepreneur myself, like to take something that, and I don't mean this like it didn't almost die, but it was it yeah. was it was really struggling. It was yeah, and it was to hurting. rebuild it. I mean, we when I came on, we had 22 partner units, hmm. and a unit could be like my husband and I are considered a unit yeah. as a household. Um, so we were down to 22, which is definitely the lowest that we've been in a long time. Mm. And obviously the less partners we have, less grant making we can do. So it affects everything in that cycle. Um, we just hit 50 partners yesterday. That's awesome. So in less in two years, despite a global pandemic, we have well over doubled our partnership. That's fantastic. And we have a huge event next week, and I think we're going to be at 55 by the end of the week. That's so, fantastic. Um, hitting 2022 goals already. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it should be done, getting ahead. That's great. What were some of the things you identified, you know, coming into that role and taking leadership where you saw like, hey, there's some opportunity to really maybe change things or focus things or really kind of shift the brand in some positive ways, obviously coming out of some kind of lack of consistency in leadership. There's probably a lot, <laughs> but yeah, there's maybe actually one, a, there, one or two that were highlights. There's an organization called Nonprofit Life Cycles that okay. really talks about how there are different, different areas and different parts of your life that a nonprofit will be in. And, um, you know, kind of rebrand, refresh, relaunch is all part of that. So mm -hmm. everyone kind of goes through that. So it was for me just a picture that they've and I'm I'm talking with my hands, which of course on a podcast you can't see. Um, <laughs> but they've got this kind of like bell curve of you're going up, you're going up, and then you start to decline, and you either die out mm -hmm. or you go back to the front of the the um, the part where you're going up, and you redo that again. Yeah. So you need to just be willing to look at things differently, um, keep the things that work, but also be be willing to change. Mm -hmm. I mean, we I went through our entire budget and gutted a bunch of things. There was yeah. a lot of um, programs that we reevaluated. Do we bring it back? Can mm -hmm. we pause it? Do we run full force with it? Um, one of the challenges is SVP is a very diverse partnership. Mm -hmm. um, we have everything from, you know, just starting out in their career, want to learn about philanthropy to, you know, I've been a philanthropist for 30 years and I just want to like be a funder at this point. Um, we have diverse sets of what side of the aisle you sit on. Um, mm -hmm. COVID has brought out another <laughs> set of diverse, you know, half. Surprise, you know, surprise. Some partners are like no masks. Some partners are like only masks. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to balance, which we want a diverse set yep. of partners. That's that's what we need. Um, but it is hard to balance what everyone wants. So um, doing some surveys at the beginning to see mm. where kind of the majority lies yep. and then going and talk to the people that outside of the majority and say, OK, we can't do this program that you want or this event or this specific um, like we used to do fast pitch. Mm -hmm. Half the people want it back. Half the people said never again. So yeah. like, how do you how do you how do you make everyone happy? <laughs> so really, but going back to those individuals that maybe don't fall within the majority, or maybe it is the majority, but we don't have the capacity to do that. I yep. mean, when I came on, I was literally the only person on staff. So I can't do all of that. Um, but just to make sure that people understand that they're heard and that you're recognizing what they mm. understand 
and I'm not saying not now, or I'm not I'm not saying no, but not now. Mm. I will. I want you to know that I hear what you want, and I I appreciate that, and I will get to it. Mm. <laughs> I'm not shoving things off. Yeah. So so that was one of the I think successes was just going back and and also asking people that had left the partnership like why why did you mm. leave? Um, you know, hearing hearing the no's yep. is important is just as important as hearing the yeses. So. Yeah, um, I think that was one of the great, lessons. Great case study and just the power of collecting those stories from kind of within the organization and then obviously people who have exited mm-hmm. um, in their partnership or, you know, if we're talking to like a for-profit business, we do this a lot with our clients of like, hey, you need to actually talk to your staff. Mm-hmm. Like we can't put all the leadership in one room and make all these assumptions about the organization and the brand and the strategy and then not go talk to the boots on the ground. Right. right. Well, in the historical knowledge, I exactly. mean, it's a 21 year organization to be able to go back and say, hey, we tried that. Why didn't it work? Yep. Instead of just making assumptions on our own. Yep. Yeah. That historical knowledge is no, that's a, really good. just totally valuable that's for really everything good. we do. Um, so uh, fast forward a little bit. We're now in 2021. What what's kind of you're getting some success. What are you attributing that to? Uh, what, what, what are things that are working? <laughs> I, well, I, w- I will say that I think COVID actually helped us. Yeah. Um, COVID- Tell me more. <laughs> I always I mean, want to hear these stories. Well, we joke that it, it was not, it, we're not called socially distanced venture partners, <laughs> but so definitely trying yeah. to get people excited and come to events on Zoom was like, want, want another mm-hmm. Zoom. Nobody wants to do another Zoom. Um, however, as somebody that was rebuilding a brand, and I will say January 2020, we brought on Michaela. Mm-hmm. She had just graduated from NAU. She is a genius when it comes to giving fresh eyes, thinking about our messaging, thinking about our communication from a holistic standpoint. So having her come on board to join me, again, I was the only person. Yep. So having that extra support and extra voice and sounding board and just collaborative um, person to be there. Of course, it was January 2020. We spent two months in the office <laughs> and then we were like, see ya. Um, so that was definitely a challenge, but bringing her on board was a major turning point for mm-hmm. us. Um, but, you know, nobody wanted to do Zoom anymore. So the good thing was we didn't have to worry about event planning. We weren't spending money on event planning. Mm-hmm. So we got a chance to really sit down and be strategic about things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good excuse for us not to have to do certain things because we just we couldn't Um, but now I would say COVID is really helping us because people are chomping at the bit to get back into person and so we are one of the first organizations at least that I've seen and that we've been associated with that have been holding events and we and we've tried to be really cognizant of of that diversity in the partnership so we've had events you know for instance our big spring partner event we actually held multiple ones Mm -hmm. one was on zoom Nobody registered, by the way. Um, <laughs> another one was we are going to be outdoors and master mandatory. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was outdoors, master optional. So we're trying to hold events um, earlier than some people are, but with mm-hmm. you know different yeah. <laughs> requirements. I will also say that the mass mandatory one, after about five minutes, everyone's like, you good, you good, you good? Okay, so it became an unmasked well, event. It's hard, anyway. to, it's hard to enjoy your wine with your mask on. It is. You know? We, you know, if somebody had invented a little mask with like a straw, yeah. holder yes. I think that that could have been a good I've product seen those. oh okay so I'm not the only one my, my favorite going back to we didn't talk about this on the show but before we jumped on the show we talked about uh your husband's background in music uh-huh. and I've seen photos of bands playing with with the mask with the hole in the middle oh so they can wear their mask while they're still playing I was like that's kind of funny yeah 
Yep. I don't know why I think about that. Well, the good thing about music is that usually the band's up on stage, so exactly. they can be separated. Yeah. yeah. So. It was nice to go to my first concert. That's um, so cool. That just felt really good. <laughs> yep. Well, you have to tell us what concert it was now. Oh, yeah. I went up to Denver to go to Green Day. Oh, that's, that's, cool. that's cool. Green Day is my all-time favorite in-person band. Um, not singer, band, okay. um, because they just, they put on a show, they involve kids in the audience. Hmm. I love every Green Day song ever written. <laughs> I just, I, it's, it's like, well, now they play it on classic rock, which is a little concerning it is to weird. me. Because it classic rock old. has shifted a lot. It has. That's because we're getting older now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was amazing. It was outdoors. It was, you know, I wore my mask, but that was good because then I could scream all the songs and there's those couple <laughs> lyrics that you always forget. And I was like, nobody knows. I've got a mask on. Um, but it was really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going to see Thrice this uh, oh, that's Thursday. Cool. So another another concert here in town. That's awesome. Um, so getting the music back in. And my husband has a music studio, so once in a while I get a private concert um, <laughs> late at night. <laughs> We've had a couple drinks, and then he'll play guitar. So that's awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but so just to get back to the, you know, getting into events, mm -hmm. I just think that COVID, that, you know, so much time of not having big events People are so excited to get involved that SVP as a socially, we, I mean, we use the word social because we're helping the social sector, but there's also definitely a, you know, a friendly um, colleague social yep. part of it. We do have events with happy hours and, you know, appetizers and dinners and we're having yeah. a holiday party. So people are just craving that interaction yeah. with people that are like-minded and they, yep. I, th I think it's, I mean, we have a sold out event next week. I think That's it's been so great awesome. for us. So it's so just awesome. a, a perfect storm of events. <laughs> yep, it is. Um, I, I don't think I had this kind of planned out, but I, I've been wondering this decision to focus more on, so your investees are these nonprofits that you're grant making, you know, you're, you're creating these grants for. Um, your focus has been more recently on nonprofits that are primarily focused on, on kids here in Arizona was that some that's not something that's been historically a part of SVP or Arizona the whole time yes and it? no okay. yes and no so we we used to have two main investment vehicles and it was education mm. and then critical issues okay which is very vague yep. um but also very encompassing yes. <laughs> you know like it's specific but not yeah. um and so several years ago um while Terry was still in leadership, SVP um, hired a company to come in and really meet with the partnership and talk about what are your focus areas, what should we mm -hmm. really be, um, you know, giving our dollars and our time to, and that project was finished but never put into a wrapped up package mm. so you talk about branding it was all sitting there yep. but it didn't have a cute little graphic to go with it yep. and a you know two sentence summary so that was one of the very first things that i did yeah. um, was took that information and that research and data that was already there yep. and just put it into something that was easily digestible for everyone so that's mm. the making children successful through three different um three different ways and this kind of includes the critical issues. So it's either educational opportunities, safety and support, and health and wellness. Yep. Um, the great thing is we also have wonderful success stories over the last 20 years of somebody that fits into each of those categories mm -hmm. so that we have a good example of where we work in that space. Um, and so just giving something easily easy to chew yep. for people um, has been really helpful. Yeah. Um, so yes, we, we always focus a little bit on education okay. and that stuff, but um, it just, it, it hones it in a little. But yeah. again, it's vague, but <laughs> vague No, but it's more specific mm -hmm. than just kind of like, well, we help nonprofits in Arizona, right? right? I mean, it's like, right. well, there's 
you throw a stone and you're going to hit someone that could be a potential right. for that. And to have something more specific, I would assume, provides kind of a, a better point of kind of engagement for partners and even for investees who are interested in, in uh, you know, joining the program of, of like, hey, are we a fit? Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that everyone can find something that fits mm -hmm. within one of those categories. Um, now, not, does every nonprofit fit in there? Obviously not. Yeah. But most people have a few nonprofits or a few focus areas that they appreciate a consideration of. And so we can usually plug somebody into mm. one of those three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, what has made, you know, Arizona a unique place? What what have you found in kind of working with SVP Arizona for so long? The, maybe the environment around philanthropy, and I'm going to mess that word up every time, um, <laughs> around nonprofits. I still can't say it half yeah. the time, so it's fine. <laughs> you know, what? what's your perspective on Arizona and what unique, either special, unique aspects, characteristics, or even challenges to the state? I think, I think Arizona um, is unique in philanthropy specifically because it's not the old school philanthropy. Mm. You know, you don't have... The, the Rockefellers, you don't have the Kennedys, you don't have the, you know, the big name philanthropists. Um, there's also not a lot of big companies folk based here that have old time philanthropy. Yep. Um, and so everyone, I'm not everyone, I'm making a generalization. And my communications <laughs> degree would say don't make an honest claim. <laughs> um, but for, a, for the most part, people don't have a very long established, you know, hundreds of years mm -hmm. philanthropic practices. So there is an ability to be a little bit more nimble. Mm -hmm. um, there is an ability to look at different issues that might not be under the typical um, philanthropic umbrella that old, you know, old money for quotes <laughs> um, has. And also there's a lot of younger people. I mean, we touched on this a little bit earlier. There's new tech companies. There's a lot of people transplanting. Arizona doesn't have a lot of us natives left yep. here. Um, and so to have those people that are coming from other places, they bring a unique perspective. Um, it also can be a challenge mm. because there are some, you know, people that are snowbirds. Yep. They usually associate their philanthropic dollars with Ohio, Michigan, yeah, you know, where Minnesota, where they're from. Yep. So to get them to be engaged here monetarily can sometimes be a challenge. Um, but I, I just I think it's unique in that we can explore other avenues. We can be a little bit more creative mm. in our philanthropy because it's all kind of a little bit new still. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there are some there's some challenges and some mm -hmm. really good opportunities. Um, I think the the spectrum of experience here in Arizona um, is really unique as well. Like I said, we have so many young tech people. Um, we also have <laughs> we have a wide variety of income levels too. Yeah. I mean, every state does, um, but I think we have the opportunity to um, address a lot of our specifically education challenges and that or equality gap. Um, and so I think we've got some good opportunities mm. to make some big leaps in the future. Um, you know, there's Arizona, um, and I need to make sure I, I'm going I'm <laughs> to paraphrase some of this, but um, so like, for instance, Phoenix Union High School District, yep. we've had a partnership with them for many years. That's awesome. They, That's my alma mater. Oh, yeah. North High School. Woohoo. Yeah. Go Mustangs. <laughs> yes, the Mustangs. Um, <laughs> so Phoenix Union typically is a projector of 10 years out of what the mm -hmm. city of Phoenix is going to look like. City of Phoenix is usually a projector about 10 years out of what the country is going to look like. Yep. 
and Phoenix Union High School District right now, and I don't know the exact stat, and I apologize to my friends at Phoenix Union for not knowing this off the top of my head, <laughs> is something around like over 80% um, Latino. Mm-hmm. So that's a projector of the of Phoenix, and that's a projector of the country. And so for us not to use that as a great opportunity to say, how can we include more people mm-hmm. of color? How can we talk about what their needs are? How do they differ from ours? And give them better voices. Like, I, th- that's something that's unique to Phoenix, mm-hmm. not just Phoenix. But yep. I mean, that's an opportunity that you don't have in Minnesota. Yep. <laughs> you yeah, know? there's a lot of places in the country that don't have that same kind of demographic mix or have kind of a a future forward kind of, you can take snapshots of Phoenix now and see where things are potentially gonna be down the road for a lot of other places in the United States. We actually had, um, I don't know if you know Brandon Clark from Mm -hmm. Cradle, um, amongst other things that he does, but he and his partner came on, I think that was like two years ago, to talk about some of the work that they're doing. It was really fascinating to see how they're kind of leveraging this kind of demographic forward uh, momentum that Phoenix has and kind of seeing how can we help organizations better understand, um, you know, where they might need to be in a few years uh, based on data they're grabbing here. He's taken it even a step further with um, engaging the voices of youth and bringing a whole group of people from across the border to work with, so youth from Mexico and youth from Arizona to work together. Like we are sitting on both sides of the border. There's no reason why it's us versus them. We can work together. Um, So Which is a really unique attribute of Arizona. Yes. You know, just our, this kind of economic corridor that we have with Mexico that, I mean, I I don't know if you really see that outside of Texas. Uh, and maybe to some degree California as well. But um, there's something unique here about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, We have a scholarship program at ASU that we've had for a little over 20 Mm. years um, that works with independent students. So whether they're from foster care or, um, you know, some kind of independent situation. And by the way, when I say we, I mean our family foundation, not social venture partners. Um, And we take our students down to Mexico to Agua Prieta on the other side of Douglas um, at least two times. Well, Mm. Not not COVID years, yeah. but at least <laughs> at least two times a year, and we stay in the dorms down there. We build houses, we do a food distribution, and it's you know there's a real there's a real argument for people in Mexico don't want to come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. If we give them an opportunity to enhance their own communities, like they want to stay there. They're yep. amazing communities. They just don't have the opportunities that we do. So that's why you know yeah. you, you see the influx of people trying to come here yeah. illegally because what other option do they have? So if we can go across the border and you know help our, our neighbors um, to establish a little bit more stability there, mm-hmm. then that solves both problems. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, a little bit of a marketing question here. So uh, talking about the category that people might put SVP Arizona in, how would you categorize the organization? So kind of people know like, oh, that's kind of, I can think about other organizations like that and I kind of know how to position it. Yeah, I mean, venture philanthropy is the the, the real category that I would um, put us into. It's different from social impact investing mm. because you know there is no monetary return yep. um, except for that to the to society, yeah. um, which definitely has monetary returns. Um, if you, especially if you talk about prevention versus you know mm-hmm. problem solving later, um, the the term venture philanthropy seems young and seems new and is kind of a buzz right now but it actually was first used by um rockefeller in oh, the late 60s huh. so it's not really a new term yeah. it's just that it's it's 
hasn't had as much traction. Um, I think people are understanding more of trust-based philanthropy. That's mm. something that you know SVP just actually yep. held a, an event on that to talk about what is trust-based philanthropy. Um, there's, thank goodness, a huge shift from really funders micromanaging their money and saying, I can only give to this program and you can only do you know, this yeah. with my money and you can't spend it on anything besides this program. There's no salaries, there's no you know, <laughs> overhead. I'm like, well, and, okay, until you figure out how to run a nonprofit <laughs> with pixie work. dust, like we gotta have operations. Again, going back to a nonprofit as a business, yep. you have to carry directors and officers insurance. You have to pay you know, yep. all these different payroll taxes. There are, you, you have to have an office and even if you work from home you have to provide technology there are expenses you can't just have only programmatic expenses so when people say oh how much of your budget goes to program versus admin versus fund like you know what's going to happen is that nonprofits are just going to get creative with their accounting you know they're mm-hmm. every nonprofit has overhead expenses that's just the way it's a business that's just the way it is would you ever expect a for-profit to grow and have good impact without ever marketing themselves no <laughs> Like nonprofits yeah. should be able to market. Now, obviously, there's those horrible stories out there of some, you know, yep. nonprofit executive taking a private jet. Those are so few and far between. And it's like it, it all the bad stuff always gets the press, right? Yeah. The people that are doing the normal, natural, correct things, they don't get the press, right? It's yeah. only the bad stories. So um, I think that the the trust-based philanthropy is really increasing, which is great. Um, by trust-based philanthropy, I mean that funders give money to organizations and say you are the expert i want you to do what you want with this money to better increase your impact because like just like i said i don't know how to help homeless youth but i know how to help homeless youth connection by giving them funding and expertise so trust-based philanthropy um i definitely think has been an increase in why venture philanthropy is is successful Mm -hmm. and more of a buzzword um and i mean um I, I don't want to go back to <laughs> Rockefeller and be like, he was ahead of his time. But I mean, it's it's an idea that's been around for mm. a long time. So yeah. I'm glad that it's becoming more out there and aware. I mean, even SVP is over 20 years old. I mean, this isn't a new concept yep. at all, um, but it's gaining a lot of popularity. That's great. Which, again, good timing for us. Yes. <laughs> um, we've talked a little bit about the pandemic and how that's impacted SVP Arizona, in particular around events and, and that kind of thing. I think. One thing I wanted to maybe draw out a little bit was the partnership that kind of maybe birthed out of some of that constriction, and that was the 40 under 40 with mm-hmm. the Phoenix Business Journal. Yeah. Um, I know that's been my kind of entry point into SVP Arizona, and I, as I've looked at that over the last year, it just seems like, man, that is such a great case study in the power of like partnerships in building brand awareness and, and even finding these like-minded partners to help facilitate hitting these goals that you're looking for. So yeah, maybe the, share a little bit about that. The 40 under 40 partnership was really um, an, an idea that I had because I wanted to diversify the partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a commitment when I came on board, and this was even before you know the, the happenings of 2020 okay. and, and um, focus on philanthropy shifted a little bit, but this was before that. I made a, a commitment to diversifying our partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably not a popular term, but I didn't want to be to be the old rich white guys club. Um, and not that it was completely, but I mean, that's yeah. who, if you think about real Historically, estate investment that's the in Phoenix. Yeah, uh, that's, 
center of philanthropy in Arizona. Yes, and they play a very important role, and I appreciate every every one of them, but I also wanted to open it up to new voices. And sometimes it can be really intimidating, as much as we might have our best intentions, to say, we want to include everyone. Well, do you think people that are younger, and especially people of color, are really feeling welcomed into people that is just a bunch of rich old white guys? <laughs> so um, 40 Under 40 was really a way for me to um, bring in and a well-vetted group of people that I knew mm-hmm. were looking to do something. Um, the Business Journal does an amazing group of narrowing down 400 plus nominations to 40 people. Yep. Um, I was in the class of, gosh, I don't even remember. I'm a, I'm well over 40 <laughs> now, so whenever I wasn't 40, several years ago. Um, but I just I remember being so impressed with all the people that I shared mm. um, that you know award with that year, and so the you know Phoenix Business Journal we partnered with them and said okay everyone that is being awarded forty under forty we will add, ask them to do a supplementary application if they're interested, and we will choose a handful of people this year we have five mm. that we will do a sponsored partnership for one year. They can get their feet wet. They are considered a full partner. There is no oh. differentiation, so they are a full partner. But it's sponsored by some of our other programmatic um, grant writing that we do. Um, And so that was a great way to bring in not only some younger people, but a more diverse um, set of of voices. Hmm. Um, And I did that with the regular partnership too. So I've been personally seeking out suggestions from other people who would be good to be involved. Um, I'm very happy to say that of the new partners that we have brought in since I've started, over 27% are people of color, Mm. Um, which there's room for improvement, absolutely, but it's much higher than what it was before. Um, And so I'm just, I'm really proud that we're bringing in that voice and Mm. 40 under 40 was a great way to to start that ball rolling. Um, Also, just in terms of technicality some of our older partners who have the extra money to give the extra funding for that are burnt out they've retired they yeah. they don't want to do anything they just want to be funders and then we've got a whole group of people that maybe can't afford the partnership yep. but are really lots gunning of energy to, gunning to go <laughs> and they have great new ideas and great expertise already um and so that was just a perfect mm. mixing of those two scenarios that's awesome yeah. that's really cool I think that's a great story of just the power of partnership and Mm -hmm. the power of kind of thinking outside of the box and how you can connect, you know, your brand with another brand and see that there's some really like cool leverage points and, and how to achieve these goals that you have. Um, What's next? What's, uh, what's coming (laughs) up for SVP Arizona? Well, we have 19 events planned for 2022, <laughs> so definitely not a shortage. You're making up uh, for last year. Whew, yeah. Um, we're doing a good variety of social happy hours, educational events, um, think tanks where our partners can sit down and do rapid fire um, ideas for the, uh, like one problem that our, not, our investees, our nonprofit investees mm-hmm. are facing. Um, we're doing, we're bringing in guest speakers and authors. Um, we always do, you know, our big spring and fall partner events to, to make sure that the partnership knows each other too. Yeah. I mean, I've made lifelong friends in this partnership and um, you know, while we say don't pitch don't pitch me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a networking group in that sense. Naturally, some partnerships like that do sure. happen because people get to know each other and become yep. friends and colleagues. Um, and so we're really trying to give a variety of events. Um, we'd like to expand our portfolio because when we when I came in, we were kind of sunsetting our last 
person in that five-year cycle, but we didn't have a pipeline coming in. So uh, as a good VC, <laughs> you know, mentality, we needed to fill our pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. And so we are up to three investees. Ideally, we have five, one in each year of that five-year cycle. Mm-hmm. So really seeing our portfolio grow um, and, and seeing that needle move. Now yeah. that it's been a couple of years, we see some things happening, which is exciting. It's You have to be patient with it, yep. but it's exciting to see that grow now. Um, and so... We're also looking at, you know, do we bring back fast pitch? We're mm. doing a feasibility study. You know, some people really want it back. And can can we bring that to the community? It was definitely a value add um, for some nonprofits and for the community to be able to see those pitches. Um, we're looking at bringing in, which is something that I'm very excited about, but I'm trying to remember that it's not all about me, um, <laughs> is the what used to be called SVP Teens, but we've called Next Generation as okay. well. Um, so we have several families in our partnership that are multi generational mm-hmm. so it was originally the my, myself included in that yeah. it was originally the grandparents and then the kids and then there's the grandkids involved um, but how do we have these discussions where we're establishing good philanthropic practices in our high school students mm-hmm. or younger um, so that by the time they get to be an SVP partner they're like hitting the ground running they already know they could teach some of those classes at that point mm-hmm. um, but also how do we make sure that the next generation and and we have to consider that many of our people in our partnership do have disposable income plus um we have many high net worth individuals so how do we not create jerks in the world (laughs) wealthy (laughs) jerks you know we we want to make sure that our kids are more grounded and philanthropic and generous with their Mm. money um as well as you know being good business contributors so um that's really an interesting program to me um, we actually have one of our original SVP teens that is now a full partner. Oh, that's um, awesome. So he, you know, was was not in the partnership for about 15 so 15 years or so. And so nice to have him as an adult and um, contributing to the partnership and having that historical knowledge. So um, it's really nice to have those full circle stories. That's really cool. So that's definitely what's next. And I mean, I said we hit 50 partners yesterday. I, I've got a hundred in my sights. I've got, I'm not slowing down till I hit a hundred. Yeah. Um, I'm usually aggressive in my goals, but, um, if you've ever taken that strengths finder test, my number one, there's like my one and then the second and third are like, wait, I don't know. My number one is woo. All um, right. And I, that's the strength to have to wooing people to my cause and i will say that i just actually finished the um women leading change program at harvard Mm. um, as part of their executive certificate and also creating collaborative solutions and the woo i feel like one of the reasons that it's really stands out so much for me and this is what i noticed in that class is because i'm authentic about it Mm. so i'm never gonna try i'm not like the used car salesman i only will talk to people about things that i'm truly passionate about and I believe in. Like I believe in the work of social venture partners. I believe in the nonprofits that we philanthropically fund. I believe in the work. Um, I believe in building better philanthropists. Mm. I'm not gonna try and sell you something that I am not myself 100% in. And so I think having that authenticity is, it's apparent. People know that I'm I'm being real. It's real. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's real and true. I think. And I get I I can't help but get excited about it, yeah. and I talk with my hands, and I, you know, like, and then I'll talk about something, and I like start crying, and it's like it's it's all very real and authentic. So, yeah. um, I think that people appreciate that. So that's awesome. I'm gonna use that to get 100 partners. I love it. That's a great goal. Um, all right. So there's one question I didn't prep you for. Oh, okay. Because uh, this is what we do every show. <laughs> so we're really into improv, improvisation, and one of the kind of famous games 
of improv is called Name 10 Things. Oh, boy. So you're going to be on the spot. This is where the real hot seat comes okay. in. Okay. Um, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's, uh, it's very off the cuff. So, uh, the one, hopefully it's not 10 of one thing. Cause I will blank it like yeah. two. <laughs> name 10 places oh. SVP will one day host an event. Ooh. I was wow. trying to kind of, I was thinking about things you're passionate about, but also fun. Yeah. Um, there's no wrong answers. <laughs> That's one of the rules um, of name 10 things. Okay. Well, next week we're having an event at El Toro, one. which is like we go. classic Phoenix, yep. um, old school. I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite places, just the views of the mountains and the feeling of it's just got like desert cowboy old world feel. Yeah. Um, this is the first time we're ever hosting like a major event there. So I'm very excited about that. Um, well, I'm going to be honest and go to holiday parties at my house. <laughs> Two, there you go. <laughs> my husband and I just finished building our house and we've been working on it for three plus years. Um, so I'm very excited to finally have an event at That's my awesome. house that was built for entertaining. Yes. And we moved into in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have to wait this um, long. Yes. Yeah, so we are ready. Um, I'm going to throw out the White House just because why, yeah, why not? Like, you know, we're going to be, be cool. We're going to be invited to the White House. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say someplace like a cool park. Like, okay. let's go like Hans or yeah. something like that. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. have a cool outdoor um, event. I think that's four. I think we're yeah, at four. four. Okay. Um, Fast Pitch started at Tempe Center for the Arts. So if we go back, go back. that would be going Five. back to our, our roots. Um, I'm going to say we're going to host a cool video shoot event at your green screen right oh, behind there you. There we go. <laughs> um, Six. So there you go. <laughs> Um, we're trying to utilize some local businesses um, and yeah. really shed the light. So we've been to the Vintage okay. right on Osborne. Yeah. Um, and so I'd like to go back there. They're fantastic to us. Um, where else? Okay, so this is Arizona Community Foundation. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to put that on the list, we're housed at Arizona Community yeah. Foundation. And we've had in the past a lot of events there, those think tanks, all that kind of stuff. Um we haven't been able to with 2020 yeah. and COVID, and we're still not back to being able to host events. Well, so I'm going to list 2022. I'm going to list ACF just because I love being in that office, and I'm so excited to have people see it yes. again. Um, That's eight. And I'm going to say so. We just had an event here, but I'd like to go back. Helios Education yeah. Foundation. That new campus. I'm sure everyone's seen it, but not many people have been in it because it was closed. It is unbelievably gorgeous mm. and so well from somebody with an interior design background, <laughs> so well thought out. Even the parking garage, which is down below underneath, is beautiful. There's mm. fountains in the park parking garage. They didn't have the first floor and the second floor. The whole building does not go to the edge of the parking lot. So oh, natural light comes in and then all of the landscaping from the first floor overflows like hangs oh, down the walls that's cool into the parking garage so i mean it's just so beautiful and well thought mm. out and natural mm. um so i i can't wait to host another event there <laughs> and for more people to see that space um because yeah. it was gorgeous um oh boy number the 10 big finale 10 oh, i feel like i should have saved a big one for this oh, but now good. i can't think of anything um Mars, we do the moon the moon <laughs> <laughs> As as soon as Elon's a donor, yeah. we're gonna <laughs> Elon, uh, Elon's joining. Yes, and Elon, if you're listening, partnerships only fifty five hundred dollars a year. It's totally within your budget. Um, I'm gonna say we 
do not do direct advocacy work because mm-hmm. we're a 501c3 and so we're limited on what we can do. However, some of the people, the collaborations and the partnerships that we have in mm-hmm. in town do. And so I would say at the state capitol oh, cool. to increase some educational legislature. All right. There we go. Number 10. <laughs> Thanks for playing along, Amy. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry we <laughs> sprung that on you. No, it's okay. It was actually a good variety. I yeah. <laughs> we always have a blast with that one. And then it's the so moon fun. and then Mars. And then the moon. That's, That's 11. 11. Yeah. But it goes to 11. Yeah, there uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good music reference right yes. at the end. It does go to 11. Amy, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to learn more about SVP um, and events coming up and you know the programs you're working on maybe how to get involved or uh, maybe advocate for the organization where can they find out more we are launching our brand new beautiful website yeah. um, at svpaz.org org. that's awesome so they can go there to find all of the information learn about our investees who we're who we're helping out in the community and also how to become a partner or just our general event calendar we mm-hmm. do have some non-partner only events um the community members are in are allowed to come to yeah welcome that highly recommend people check that out um i my partnership with SVP Arizona has just been fantastic. It's been super fun being involved the last two years, year and a half. Um, And just thrilled that you could come on the show and talk with us a lot more in detail about everything that you guys are doing. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's it for another episode of AZ Brandcast. We want to thank all of our listeners for hanging out with us today and learning more about SVP Arizona and Amy and their story. Um, if you want to find out more about AZ Brandcast, listen to any of our past episodes, you can find us at azbrandcast.com, uh, where you can also sign up for a newsletter and make sure you don't miss another episode. You can also find us on iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, really pretty much anywhere that you want to listen to podcasts, we are there. And if we're not, send me an email and we'll make that happen. So just want to remind everybody, uh, again, every time, You are remarkable. The AZ Brandcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. It's produced and edited by Sam Pegel. Music is produced and provided by Pabrid, an Arizona-based music group. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at azbrandcast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about AZ Brandcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at azbrandcast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2020.